Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I am here to uh, talk to you guys about something that I just saw this morning. You guys know I wake up and <laughs> stuff is just on my mind. And uh, one of the first things I like to do is share it with my people. And uh, today I want to talk to you guys about something that I saw online today. Um, I, I saw it on my Instagram. My Instagram's the real boys Watkins. What's up on Instagram? How you all doing? Uh, and um, it was uh, shared by my friend uh, who was actually in my wedding. Uh, he's a great rapper from the ghetto boys by the name of Willie D. And Willie D um, is a, a smart guy. Uh, I met him when I did an event in Houston and Willie just showed up and, and uh, somebody told me Willie D was out in the audience and wants to talk to you. And I said, Oh, okay, great. And I met him and we've been friends friends ever since. I, I just really like this guy. I have a lot of respect for him. He's a very intelligent brother and I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for our friendship. Now, here's what happened. So uh, I got up this morning and uh, I was looking on Instagram, just kind of scrolling. And I saw this video about a rapper by the name of Lil Baby. Does anybody know who Lil Baby is? Give me a yes in the chat if you know who the rapper Lil Baby is. Uh, if you've ever seen him, uh, if you know uh, much about him uh, at all, he's about 28 years old and uh, he's at, in the Atlanta area. He's very talented. Apparently, a lot of people like him. I, I'll admit he's not in my necessarily my target demographic, even though I know a lot of rappers and I like hip hop and everything else. Uh, but little baby, you know, he's 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 uh he's out there. Right. He, you know, people know who he is. And there he is right there. You can see him on the screen. If you're on Instagram, you can't see it. But just, you know, he's he's charismatic. Um, he's very he appears to be uh, talented uh, in, in his way. Uh, he likes to wear a lot of jewelry. You, you know, you see all that ice. So he's always shining. He's always looking fly. He's always uh, kind of doing his thing. Now, I'm going to admit I'm going to go ahead and just uh, age myself by admitting that I you know, when I came up rappers, we didn't want to call ourselves babies. We wanted to be grown men. We wanted to be big boys. I, I don't want to be little and I don't want to be a baby. I want to be big boys, the big man, right? That's that's just how we came up. But maybe things have changed. I have no idea. I'm not here to judge that. And uh, that's not even really the topic of the conversation. So here's what I want to address. And if you can hit the thumbs up button, please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. So Willie D shared a video today that, uh, that drew some conversation. And the video was very short. And it showed a, uh, an image or, or a short clip of Lil Baby in the jewelry store so little baby was in the jewelry store getting iced out you know like a lot of rappers they don't they don't buy like a couple little chains like this this isn't real gold by the way so it wasn't cheap but uh but they don't get one or two chains they got to have 10 15 they got to have it on every arm and a ring on every finger i got my wedding band i got this and i got a bracelet right but, but for, for whatever reason in hip-hop there is a thing a culture that was established probably started way back uh, in you know, with the, in the Slick Rick days, with uh, rappers somehow believing that they have to wear like eighty pounds of jewelry to become legitimate, I don't get it. It don't make a lot of sense to me. But I'm not a rapper, so that's just what it is. Uh, you know, I, the, the same way they stack up on jewels. I'm a scholar. I stack up on books. So maybe as a scholar, like I can show y'all a picture of a stack of about fifteen books I have right over here, right? So they stack up on gold. I'm stacking up on books. That's just what it is. But uh, anyway, so here's here's a deal with little baby, and this is what I wanted to talk about a little bit. And uh, and I don't want to sound like a like an irritating old guy or anything like that. I want to sound like a person that really wants this to be a productive discussion. Um, so I saw this clip that Willie shared where little baby goes in the in the jewelry store. And apparently they overcharged him. Uh, apparently they accidentally charged him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars 
when they should have charged him $25,000 accidentally. I don't, you know me, I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't think that shit's accidental. I think, I think they're like, okay, all right, is he high? Is he drunk? If he's high and drunk, we can overcharge him. They won't even notice. Now just believe this. This, this happens all the time. There's a lot of rappers, a lot of athletes. I'm not saying little babies in that category. I don't know this guy, but uh, a lot of rappers and athletes really are in the category where uh, they, they maybe never learned that one of the things about protecting your wealth means, uh, means being alert. You know, when you are promoting a culture of drug addiction, drug use, uh, ex extreme types of behavior that keep you out of your right mind, well, that means that people that are alert, that are financially conscious, that are aware, are constantly watching you. Let me give you an example. One time I went and um, I told you guys I like to play poker, and uh, I'm pretty good at it. I've won tournaments with like hundreds of people in it because poker is a great game of math, strategy, and psychology. I'm pretty good at those three things. And I remember watching one time where there was this uh, drunk white lady on a cruise ship. And she, you could tell she was rich. She had all these fancy big, she had a big old rock on her hand and, and was just throwing money around and everything else. And so she was playing poker. She wasn't very good. She was half drunk. She didn't really care. She was just slinging money around like it wasn't nothing like a rapper in a strip club. Well, there was a guy, there was a guy that sat there on the ship the whole time. And he didn't look like a guy that had a lot of money. He looked like a guy that worked for a living. He looked like a guy that, that didn't necessarily have a whole lot of money at home. And he was just watching this lady the whole time. And every time she would play poker, he would always play against her. He always wanted to be at the table when she was at the table because he knew that she was giving money away. She was making it rain and he was standing there with his bucket. She was throwing money away. He was sitting there and he was alert and watching her very closely to see how he could get that money. That's what I think about when I see sometimes what happens with not, not little baby. I don't know this guy, but sometimes this will happen when, when you see uh, whether it's a rapper or an athlete where you are intoxicated by the booty and the bling and the drugs and you just kind of doped out and you just throw money around like you know like how Antoine Walker who's from my generation who uh had a, went through I think he went through a hundred million dollars uh and ended up flat broke because he wasn't financially aware. Allen Iverson made over $100 million, if I'm not mistaken, and he ended up having some financial problems. Now, he still got that Reebok deal, but I broke that Reebok deal down, actually, to explain to you all that even then, I think Reebok ripped him off. I really think Reebok got a crazy deal. Like, literally, if you use financial models, the kind of models we use uh, in academia to value that Reebok deal, you'll find that literally they got him to sign a lifetime deal for less than $10 million. How in the hell do you lock an athlete like an Allen Iverson in for, for life for less than 10 million, right? That don't even make any sense. But that's what they did but because they made it look big by using what they call the time value of money. They said, oh, no, we're going to give you this big $50 million payment way out in the year 2030. It's way out there, right? So, so people don't understand that time is money. Money is time. And when you add time, you're really taking away money. So when they say, oh, we'll give you this money further down the road, what they're doing is they're actually taking money away from you. So let's get back to the little baby. Let's get back to the lecture at hand so we can kind of get our lesson out of this. And, uh, and so if you could, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Somebody says, I'm ready to sign up for your courses. Well, you are certainly welcome to join us in the Black Business School. It is totally free to get started, by the way. Don't let anybody tell you that it costs money to join the Black Business School. Anybody in the community can join. We do Powernomics class every Wednesday. That is 100% totally free to every member in the Black Business School. Powernomics is, that's what Kanye West called me about because Kanye West is obsessed with Powernomics. That's why you see Kanye making the power moves that he's making right now with Gap and the Adidas and all that didn't come out of thin air. That came from Dr. Claude Anderson writing that book that we study every Wednesday because he's learning that he's going, if he doesn't have his own, he's always going to get exploited. Kanye also had deals with Adidas, The Gap, everywhere else. 
Now Kanye's starting to wake up economically. When Ice Cube reached out, Ice Cube reached out because he was obsessed with Powernomics. What do you see with Ice Cube? He's doing something a lot of these dudes are scared to do. He's running a sports league. Ice Cube ain't trying to become a a one percent owner of the Buffalo Bills. Ice Cube's trying to be the the entire the commissioner, the owner of every team, and the guy who controls the whole kingdom. That that's gangster shit. Like that's what you do when you really want to play this game of economics at the highest level in a power based framework. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give me a yes if you get what I'm saying. If you get it, if you're feeling it the way I'm feeling it, I'm I'm acting like this. I'm acting like a weirdo because this is how I feel. I feel like for black men, especially and women too, y'all. So a lot of some of y'all women get it more than the men do. Some of y'all women got bigger balls than some of these guys. You know, you're out here killing it. You're out here owning things. You're buying things. You're controlling things. You're you're gaining power. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. So, so long story short, Powernomics class is every Wednesday night. It's totally free. Uh, just go go to my website. Go to boyswalkins.com. You'll see a lot of stuff there. Uh, in fact, my wife is a therapist. I even brought her on board to help because she's an expert on the subconscious mind which is the thing that they control when it comes to black people. The subconscious mind is how they get your money. The subconscious mind is how they keep you under control. The subconscious mind is how they oppress you. So she's an expert on the subconscious mind and she's doing something tomorrow, which you can join. You can visit that for free, visit that class for free. Uh, and it's uh, it's financial rehab. She's doing a session tomorrow, Sunday at 8 p.m. Uh, and you can go to boyswalkings.com. The link is right there at the top. Financial rehab with Dr. Alicia. If you're on Instagram, just hit the link in the bio. You can join us tomorrow. Like we're trying to really get this done. So let's dig into this. Let's let's talk about this little baby thing because I want to make this point. All right. So Willie D shares this video of little baby in the in the jewelry store. Uh, they are supposed to charge him twenty five thousand. Instead, they charge him a quarter million dollars. That's a big ass gap. That's a huge. That's not an administrative error. That's not like well, we thought you ordered you got two orders of fries, but so we charge you an extra dollar sixty five. No, no, that that's like. We're going to rob this dude and hope that he don't notice. Now, I don't know if they did it on purpose or not. I don't know. And, and, and shout out to little Baby for noticing or whoever noticed on his team. I think that's great. But, I mean, seriously, don't y'all think that's a little weird? I mean, how would you feel if you went to the store and they literally charged you 10 times more than what the actual price is supposed to be? Now, sure, maybe it's an extra, maybe it's like an extra zero administrative error. My mom, my wife had that happen to her actually when she went to go get a hair weave or something. Not, it wasn't a hair weave, it was some hair stuff. She don't wear weaves. She wears, sometimes they'll get those extensions and stuff. I don't understand women's hair. Like sometimes your hair will be long and it'll be short. And that's like a magic trick I'll never understand. But either way, though, uh, that, that, that does happen. So they do this, right? And, uh, and, and then when they, when little baby brings it up to them and says, hey, you know, you, y'all made a mistake, give me my money back. They basically said in, in this video, and I believe it's real, it looked real, um, that we'll give you a quarter million dollars in store credit. So they didn't give him the money back, uh, like in cash, which would be a lot of cash. They didn't, they didn't put it back on his credit card. They said, we'll give you $225,000 in store credit. I didn't feel, I don't know, how many of y'all feel a little bit weird about that? Uh, and, and Willie, shout out to Willie. Willie's a smart guy. Willie was like, Store credit. <laughs> I didn't give you, I didn't pay you in store credit. I paid you with dollar bills and you're paying me back with store credit, which really kind of means think about what I mean. I want you to process this for a moment. Store credit means that that money's still going to get back in his pocket anyway. That ain't that's not me giving you your money back. That's me loaning you the money that you've already paid me. That's still my money. I'm just going to let you hold it for a little while because you got store credit. Now, remember, pay attention. Now, think about this. He gave them real money. 
So they've got this money in their bank account. They're going to take this money home and feed their children with it. They're going to buy another property with it. They're going to put one of their kids through college with it because $225,000 will pay for a four-year college degree at a lot of universities. A quarter million dollars, $225,000 will buy you a whole entire house that will probably appreciate in value to half a million dollars in the next five years. $225,000 will feed a whole lot of families. It'll, it'll buy a whole lot of everything for a lot of people who really need money. So, so $225,000, I know, I get it. <clears throat> you're a rapper, you're doing shows. They're paying you 80 grand a show, 100 grand a show, right? Money ain't nothing but a thing. It's easy. But see, you come from a community where getting $225,000 ain't easy. There's HBCUs out here that would, that would give their left pinky toe to get a $225,000 donation. They can't get that. They can't get their alumni to write a check that big because 99% of their alumni can't write a check that big. So the reason I took a moment to take this morning to kind of talk about this a little bit is not because I'm beating up on Lil Baby. I, I get it. I understand. Look, it's his money. You know, he, he's they call him Lil Baby, but he sounds like he's a grown-ass man. He's making records, making money, got women, doing doing well for himself. God bless that, right? So it's his right to do what he wants with his money. So I'm not commanding anything or any, anybody. I'm not shaming anything. I'm just bringing awareness to it, economic awareness. First step toward having money is to be aware of when the, where the money's being lost. It's like if you have a football team and you're losing games, like black people, we're losing wealth. We're, we're like a football team that's losing games. The first step toward going from a losing culture to a winning culture is awareness of why you're losing. Oh, well, the reason I went through your stats and the reason that you're losing every game is because your defensive line is allowing the, uh, the opposition to get eight, zero, eight, six, seven, eight yards a carry. And you can't win football games if your defense is that weak on the on the front line. So this is what you got to fix if you want to start winning games. Do you understand? It's awareness. It's understanding. So so when you talk about economic awareness, everybody want to talk about being woke, what it means to be woke. And Lil Baby, shout out to him. He's known for being a little woker than some of the other rappers. He got invited to the White House by Joe Biden. Now, mind you, they don't invite they don't invite they don't invite people that are going to ask the hard questions. They're not going to invite me to the White House. So I, I got sometimes I have to work through the rappers and the entertainers to get the message out. So so when Ice Cube goes on CNN, uh, you know, me and him talk before we talked before he went on CNN to say, OK, I think if you bring this up, this will work. If you bring that up, you know, LL Cool J, I remember once he called me, he got stuck in a political situation. And I said, well, I think if you look at it this way and approach it that way, this will help you deal with the controversy. It worked. I, I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel and he said exactly what I said to say. And, he, and it worked. I was like, good for him. When Charlamagne the guy was interviewing with Joe Biden, I remember saying, you know, I text him. I said, hey, man, if you ask him about this, oh, this will trip him up and ask him about that. This will trip him up. So, so Charlemagne trips up Joe Biden, right? So sometimes we got to work through the entertainers because the entertainers, unfortunately, are the voices that white folks will listen to, but they don't really want to listen to the scholars. They don't want to really listen to the people that ask the hard questions. They really don't want to listen to the teachers. They really don't want to listen to the lawyers. They really don't want to listen to the doctors. They really don't want to listen to the parents. They really don't want to listen to the people that are really making this damn thing move. Because if the black community depended on entertainers, for us to be safe, secure, strong, and successful, then, then we would we would be in a whole lot of trouble. All right, let's just be clear. It's no disrespect to anybody else, but the people that are holding it down in the black community are people like you. How many of y'all are parents in here? How many parents we got in the room that are raising the next generation? Raise your hand. Like spending time with your kids, teaching them the things they need to know to be successful. Say something in the chat. Give me a yes in the chat. 
how many people in the community we have in here that are working hard every day? Where you're getting up every day, <clears throat> working on your dream, uh, working on somebody else's dream, struggling, struggling to stay married to a to a crazy black man or a crazy black woman, trying to do everything you can, taking care of loved ones, taking care of relatives that are in the struggle, right? Or maybe you're the most educated or the most economically successful, so you're carrying that weight, right? So, so to me, you're the engine. You're really the engine of this community. The entertainers are the flash. You represent the substance. They represent the, the the outside of the car that looks pretty and nice. You are the, the engine of the car. You are the tires that make that thing move. So ultimately, when I'm talking, I'm just going to be 100% clear. I have a bias. Uh, I'm not just black first. I'm really y'all first, meaning that uh, I'll talk about what an entertainer does. But honestly, a lot of entertainers don't impress me very much at all. A lot of them are very weak, very flimsy. They're just famous because a white person put them on TV. That doesn't make them any better than you. And I want to reiterate that to you so you don't get caught up in the frenzy that so many black people are caught up in where we worship these entertainers. The entertainers are not the ones that are going to elevate the community to the next level. They got a billion dollars and can't even start a damn sports league. Do you know how many brothers I have met with literally not two nickels in their pocket who have drawn together the most elaborate and beautiful plans for a professional sports league but can't get the funding for it? And uh, you got you got rappers that will rap every other track will tell you how much money they got, but they can't show you what they built, can't show you what they're creating, can't show you anything they've done to create more than a couple of jobs for their homeboys. So I'm looking for the rapper who can create 10,000 jobs for black people. I'm looking for the black Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going to, by the time he's done, he will have created probably about a million jobs for a million people. Uh, I want to see the black Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos creates 1.1 million jobs for Amazon. Who is the entertainer that has created even 20,000 jobs for black people, let alone 1.1 million? That, that person doesn't exist. It's going to exist, but that when that person does exist, it's going to come out of our tribe. It's going to come out of this collective. It's going to come out of this group. It's going to be one of your kids. It's, I, I kid you not. That's where it's going to come from. Uh, when I went to Tulsa, and I'm going I'm to get back to little baby, I promise. Y'all know me. I rant a little bit, so I got to tell you the whole story. But I, when I went to Tulsa and I sat down with five black men, who are in this group called Tech Stars. Tech Stars is harder to get into than Harvard University. So these five black men, I, I didn't know, I didn't, I never know who who knows any, I never know who recognizes me and who doesn't. I really don't. I, I so I just assumed that y'all, okay, y'all hanging out with white people. So y'all probably don't even know who I am. I walked in there, all these guys ran over to me, and some of them were in the black business school. And they were like, Dr. Boyce, yeah, man, I want to talk to you, man. But wow, you inspired me to start my company. And, and so let me tell you what I saw that really inspired, they got me so, super excited. These guys literally have companies that have a very reasonable possibility of one day being worth over a billion dollars. I kid you not. At some point, I want to bring them on the platform once it's ready. Some of the stuff, when you get to where you're talking about, you know, tens of millions of dollars being invested, that stays that stuff stays top secret for a while. But but I cannot wait to show you these guys because these are the superstars. These are the guys that are going to become the tech billionaires who are going to remember what it means to be pro-black. And the thing about being pro-black is that you must include economics and the development of various forms of financial infrastructure as part of your pro-black agenda. A pro-black agenda cannot consist of screaming Black Lives Matter in the street on Tuesday and then giving all your money away to the white or the Jewish man running the damn jewelry store on Wednesday. It just doesn't work. It's not consistent. It is a problem. It's a little bit weird. I, in fact, let me, so I don't sound mean, so I don't sound mean. Let me ask y'all a question. Let's go back to little baby. No disrespect to little baby. Little baby, if you're watching, I promise you, man. I I don't hate you. Like, call me, man. Just call me. We'll talk. We'll be friends. I I I respect you, dude. You're you're killing it. Good for you. 
So when little baby goes in the jewelry store, right? Uh, and they they're supposed to charge him twenty five thousand. Instead, they charge him a quarter million. So they took uh, $225,000 in cash from him. And then when he goes back to get a refund, they say, we'll give you a store credit. And he says, okay. All right. So so I want to ask you all this question. So let me frame it up so we can I can ask the right question. So a black man goes into a jewelry store that's not owned by black people, probably owned by a white guy or a Jewish guy or something like that. Maybe Jake the jeweler. I don't know who the hell it was. And, and he gives him... $225,000 in store credit instead of actually giving him his money back. Do you think that if a Jewish man or an Asian man or a white man went into a black owned business, imagine this. I mean, I want y'all to really think about this and let's say that there was some Jewish man, Asian man, or white man out there who would go into a black business and spend $25,000. He wants a $25,000 product. That right there is extremely rare. That's a unicorn right there. That's a pink and purple unicorn, right? Like they, they, they don't spend that kind of money with us. Y'all will give them all of your money. They'll give you none of theirs. That explains another reason that you have the big wealth leak. That's your wealth leak. That's in economics, we call that a trade deficit, right? There are things that you will do for them that they would never do for you never do for you. you it's like you dating somebody where you would buy this woman the world and give her all your time and all your money and all your affection and she won't even text you back that's how much y'all love white folks right so you ma'am sir are the white supremacists it ain't just them it's you too so so let's just be clear about that that right there alone i feel like i'm, I'm in fantasy land even imagining a white guy or an asian guy or a jewish man going into a black owned business a black jewelry store and saying, I want $25,000 worth of what you got. That ain't going to happen, partner. You show me show me an example where that's ever happened anywhere. Right? It doesn't rarely, it rarely happens. Maybe it does sometimes, right? I'm not saying you got black jewelry store owners and all that, right? So, so I'm not saying it never happens, right? Because so, sometimes it does, but not that often. And then imagine, let's keep going. Imagine that instead of you charging him $25,000, your clerk accidentally hits an extra zero and charges them a quarter million dollars. And then when their credit card swipes, somehow no one notices the big that the number's a lot bigger than what it's supposed to be. And a quarter million dollars comes off their credit card. So so first, and then at that, so at that point, they're probably gonna think you're a crook. They're probably gonna think that it wasn't accidental because you are black after all, right? So so let's assume that they assume that let's assume that they just believe it's an honest mistake. So this white man, Jewish man, Asian man, whatever, Arab man. Uh, non-black comes back to your store and says, uh, sir, I looked at my receipt and I just noticed that you charged me a quarter million instead of 25,000. That's, 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 that's more than I agreed to pay. And, and do you think, give me a yes or no, give me a yes or no in chat. I want y'all to answer this. Everybody answer. Do you believe that if you, that they would be okay with you saying, oh, well, we'll just give you a store credit. Do you think that they would be okay with that? And say, no, we're not going to put it in your car. We're not going to give you the money, but we're not going to write you a check. We'll just give you a store credit. So now you can come back and get $225,000 worth of our merchandise. So, like, do you really think that they will be okay with that? I have to draw, I really wanted to draw it out for you so you can just see in plain view the sheer hilarity of the economic relationship that black people have with the rest of the world. There is shit that they'll do to you and with you and 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 with your money 
that they would never, ever allow you to ever do to them in 10 million years. Ain't no Jewish man I ever heard of going to take a $225,000 worth of store credit from a black-owned business when he could have got his cash back. So, so this is the part that I just want to challenge on. I want us to think about these things, right? And 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 and, and my buddy, my buddy D one, who I just love this guy. He's such a great guy. He's super smart. D's actually at Harvard right now. Y'all may not know this, but so if you can't say all the rappers are not that smart, this brother's at Harvard literally right now as we speak. And and, and D made a good point. D said, "Well, you know, I, honestly, I don't see anything wrong with it." If he's going to come back to that store and he's planning on spending that money. And I and I didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought that was perfectly fine. And again, I want to reiterate that when you're talking about another man's money, that's his money. He can do whatever he wants with it. But what I am trying to uh, trying to get us to consider is what does it mean um, to have some degree of community responsibility? Or community accountability. What does that mean? <clears throat> and I say this because in particular with the rapper Lil Baby, if I recall, I remember noticing him because he was invited to the White House because he did a song, I think, called Black Lives Matter, or I don't know if it was called Black Lives Matter, but it was like a song that was kind of a soundtrack to the movement. So so you, you got this pro-black vibe going on. And what I'm really trying to help y'all understand is that in America, you can't be pro-black and be anti-black economics. You cannot, it's impossible for you to say, I'm gonna move the black community forward, but I'm gonna throw my money away and give my money to white folks at the same time. And the reason is because money is power. Money is power. Every time you spend a dollar, you are transferring your power to another person. So if white supremacy and racism is your enemy, your adversary, then why would you transfer power to your adversary and then claim to be fighting the adversary at the same time? If I'm in a football game, there is no coach in the history of the world who would say that I'm going to win more games by giving the ball to the opposition every time I go on offense. They would say that's insane. You don't do that. You punt if you have to. If you have no other option, you punt the ball. But, but even then, you're kicking the ball down the field. You're making it hard for them to get down the hill. You, you cannot say, sit, hut, and then find the defender and throw the ball to the defender and think that that means you're going to win the game. And that's the problem. In the game of competitive global economics, black folks play the game backwards sometimes. We think, and other people, other groups don't have this problem. Ain't no Asian person going to run up in your business and drop a quarter million dollars that they could have spent with an Asian business. They're just not going to do that. They're just, that's just a fact. Ain't no Jewish people I've ever met going to go and say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to pass up all the Jewish businesses so I can find a black business and go give them a quarter million dollars of my family's wealth. This is capital. That's big money. Quarter million dollars can easily grow to a million dollars in about five, five to 10 years if you invest it right. There are lots of flips in the hood. There are places you can buy property you can buy that would literally be worth a million dollars in five to 10 years. You're talking about legacy, generational wealth. You're talking about the kind of wealth that's transformative in the lives of people. You're talking about the kind of wealth that can, I don't know, pay the lawyers if you get caught up in a RICO charge like they're doing down in Atlanta. I don't know if y'all been following what's going on with the Atlanta rappers, but apparently there's a there's a little bit of a rift between the, the, the some of the rap community and the and the, and the people in the DA's office, prosecutor's office, and the mayor's office. They're talking about RICO charges. Last time I checked, the number one goal of a RICO charge, I'm going to talk about that for one second, of the biggest goal of RICO charge is not just to to lock you up it is to devastate you financially their goal is they're like look we're the government and we we can we can have you on trial for the next 60 years 
And so just being investigated and being on trial with the government means we know that even if you beat the case, you're going to be so financially devastated after we done reclaimed and repossessed all your shit and have drug you through court, have you paying $400, $500 an hour lawyers for the next 10, 20 years. You're going to be so destroyed spiritually that you won't be able to really function at that point. You just won't. When Joe Biden passed his incarceration laws, which is why to this day I'm not voting for that man. I'm sorry. I know y'all hit me up and say, yo, it's the past. You got to forget it. Well, no, to, to hell with you. No, it ain't the past. It's, it's very real to me. It was very traumatic to watch my friends get 50, 60 years in prison. When Joe Biden passed his little crack cocaine laws to lock up black men back in the uh, back in the 90s, one of the things that he said in one of his speeches is he said, not only will you get a mandatory number of years for having small amounts of crack, far more, far less than what Hunter Biden, his son, carries around, right? Hunter, Hunter is the crack king. He smokes it up, probably sells it, all this other stuff. But, 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 but the, the, again, this is white. This is racism, right? Right. So the, his his laws don't apply to Hunter. They apply to you. Right, because you are the hunted. He, his son is hunter. You are the hunted. So they're hunting you. So not only will you get a minimum number of years in prison if we catch you with this shit, but on top of that, he said the government then has the right to possess everything that you have, to take everything that you have, not just the money you made in the drug deal, not just the money that you have connected to your dope business, but every single asset that you own anywhere at any time. And then anybody connected with you is going to be financially ruined. Do you understand? I knew a guy in Chicago who got caught up in a, in a drug situation. They hit him with a RICO charge. They locked up. Uh, they gave him 14 life sentences with no parole. They locked up his brother for 20 years. They locked up his sister for, for several years. And then they even locked up his mother. They literally did a complete genocide on an entire generation of that family. They wiped the whole family clean. The kids had no parents now because everybody was getting locked up. So, so this is real stuff. So what I'm saying is that one of the weapons that they use is money. One of the weapons they use is the, 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 the strategic advantage that the government has an infinite supply of resources. They can literally print money and your resources are limited. So they just say, hey, we'll just have you in court for the next five to 10 years and you won't be able to really do anything because we're going to take all your money either way. So, so what I'm saying to you is at the end of the day, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm, let me circle back on this. And actually, before I conclude on some of this, uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. If you could thumbs up, share, subscribe, I could use your help. You know, I don't, we don't get corporate sponsorship and all that stuff. Uh, we, we could use your help sharing this video. If you see something here that you think can help somebody, uh, I am a teacher. I want to be helpful. Even when I'm being an asshole, my goal is really to be helpful. Deep down, I want to be a nice guy. I promise you. Sometimes it may not come out like that, but I, I have to say that because some <clears throat> some of the rappers think I hate them because of the way the stuff comes out. But I'm like my dad. It just comes out. I got to say it. So you can't say nobody told you. So if you believe that this helps somebody, if you could share the video, subscribe to the channel and all that, that really helps us out a lot. Also, I want to remind you that my wife is doing financial rehab. We open up that class tomorrow uh, for free. So if you go to boyswalkins.com, if you on Instagram, click the link in the bio and you can uh, go look for uh, financial rehab with Dr. Alicia. And she talks about the psychology of how you view money and how that affects your spending habits, how that affects your investing habits, how that affects trauma. Financial trauma is a very real thing. She's a certified trauma professional. Lots of black people are traumatized. A lot of these psychological variables that you don't talk about really have a huge effect on how you view 
all your choices, right? So little baby, I look at little baby's background. He I, he's probably been traumatized. His father left when he was two years old. It was just him and his mother. Uh, I think he had a sibling or two. Uh, and then it, by the time he's in high school, he drops out of school and starts getting locked up on dope charges. All that is very traumatic. So so ultimately, what what I want to say is, I think that we should have compassion. Right. When we and I'm learning this, I'm, I promise you, I'm trying to learn this, that, you know, when we see people doing things that don't make a lot of sense, I think it's important that we try to understand what's going on, how the post-traumatic slave syndrome kind of works and how we can kind of help each other kind of work through some of this. Because one of the challenges that you have is that some of your wealthiest, most powerful people are giving away all of your economic resources and then there's nothing left for the community. So you are representing this hood. You are a representative of the hood. You come from your hood. You come from your block. You're rapping about your block all around the world. Millions of dollars are being made because of the legacy built by your block. But then every time you go back to that block, it's still the same old block. Well, to me, that block should be beautiful by now. That block should be wealthy by now. That block should be completely black gentrified by now where you have the nicest of everything because all this wealth was made off of the trauma and the suffering and the pain and the misery experienced by people on that block. So to me, if, if millions of dollars, even billions of dollars are being made from the trauma experienced by the people on that block, then why aren't the people on the block benefiting from all the economic rewards that should come from the fact that their trauma has been commercialized on a mass scale? I need y'all to really think about that. I need y'all to really think about that. You can't represent a hood and, and I mean, really represent a hood and make a lot of money from representing that hood and then have that hood still be the hood. That doesn't make any sense. So do me a favor. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Also, don't forget, everybody, the, the All Black National Convention is coming up. That's going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, if you go to allblacknationalconvention.com, you can take a look. And uh, I hope you'll join us in Charlotte. It's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, it's a great experience. Uh, it's a completely black-owned. We can we can invite whoever we want. So we're going to have some uh, interesting people this year. we got a billionaire, Mike Roberts. We're going to have a conversation with a billionaire. He's a black billionaire who's very pro-black, and I love Mike Roberts. Uh, the former uh, CEO and current chairman of the board of the Air Jordan brand is joining us, Larry Miller. Larry Larry Miller is a brilliant guy. All these kids run around wearing Jordans. Well, that's because of Larry. It's because of Larry's genius. Larry is the reason that all these kids want to get Jordans or spend hundreds of dollars on Jordans. He's a smart guy. He's 100% pro-black, and I really like this guy a lot. Riza Islam is coming. Riza Islam. The reason we don't want corporate sponsorship is so I can invite brothers like Riza Islam. Riza is one of the great young black leaders of this country, and I want to support him every chance I get. And you got a whole long list of other amazing people that'll be there. So if you'd like to join us in Charlotte, just go to allblacknationalconvention.com. If you're on Instagram, just hit the link in the bio, and you should find its information there. It's going to be at the downtown Sheraton Hotel. So I hope you guys will join us at the convention. All right. So so my final conclusion is this: very basic here. Um, I think that we have to acknowledge the fact that in order for us to really prove that Black Lives Matter, for us to really prove that we're pro-Black, B1, all these other things that we say, we must always include economics in the conversation. America is a capitalist society. Capitalism is deeply connected to economics. In fact, if I look up the term capitalism, let's, let's see here. Let's see here. Capitalism. Let's look at the definition of capitalism. The definition of capitalism is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than the state. So basically it's saying that your entire system is one in which the trade and industry, trade is where money gets made. Like, so when little baby went to the store and bought the jewelry, there was a trade. I give you a quarter million dollars, 
you give me jewelry, right? So trade and industry. Industry is where jobs are created. When you're all when when all of us are growing up to being trained to look for jobs, well, we're looking for jobs because we're hoping that people have industry developed. If you go back to a lot of hoods, you don't see a lot of industry. But if you go out to the suburbs, there's a ton of industry because that's where the power is. So so it is a an economic and political system. So it's the economics and the politics connected. They're not disconnected. So you cannot talk about politics if you can't also talk about economics in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So basically, a lot of times uh, capitalism is basically saying that money controls everything. Money is the power. Even black political candidates can't run for office unless they have uh, you know, a hundred you know, a hundred million dollars in the bank. So ultimately, I just want to encourage you to understand this. I want to encourage you to share this with other people. I'm not just teaching the students. I'm teaching the teachers. You are the teachers in your family. You're the teachers in your community. The stuff that I'm bringing to you, remember, this is what my doctorate's in. So I'm not bringing to you simple ideas. I'm bringing to you cutting edge advanced ideas. If you internalize even a fraction of what we talk about on this platform, you will be smarter than most white people. And, and that's the first step to dominating the economic game. Yeah, I know that they owe us reparations. We're going to go get that. I know that they did terrible things to us. We're going to go deal with that. But at the end of the day, economics is a game of the intelligence, a game of the aware. It's the game of the prepared. It's those who practice and study and know, understand what's going on. If you're aware, intelligent, and you know what's going on, then guess what? You're going to be the canary in the mine that collects the money before everybody else. The early bird gets the worm. Gentrification is a multi-billion dollar process that in which money, wealth was accrued by people who simply got there first. It's no different from basketball. If you if you try to take a charging call, you got to get to the spot first. If you play defense, you got to get to the spot first. If you're going down the court trying to score on the layup, you got to get to the basket first. Who gets there first is the person who wins. And the person who gets there first is the one who's ready. This is why I am 100% against anything in music that encourages our young people, our brilliant, bright, and amazing young people to become drug addicts when they're 17, 18 years old. Because ain't no junkie ever going to be a competitor to this white man's peril. You can't compete against white supremacy if you are addicted to the dope. If you are a slave to the drug, how in the world do you think you're ever going to be free? Junkies aren't free. When you have the relationship between the pusher and the, and the junkie, the pusher has all the power. A relationship between the pimp and the hoe, the pimp has the power. We can't raise our children to be little junkie hoes. Right? We can't. I don't want to raise junkie hoes. I don't want to raise people that are addicted to somebody else's power and follow somebody else around and, and always begging somebody else and always asking, waiting for somebody else to give me instructions. Yeah, boss, what I want, what do you want me to do, boss? Wait, wait, can I get a job, boss? Can you help me out, boss? Boss, I need your support, boss. Can you get a I don't, we don't do that here. You must have the courage to get to the spot first, which means you must have the courage to lead. Everybody can't do it. I get it. Everybody ain't built that way. I get it. But some of y'all got that in you. And I'm the person who's just going to be in your ear periodically to encourage you to just go for all of that shit. Do, do not, do not fold into what the world wants you to be because the world don't want the black man to be a man. The world wants the black man to be a little baby. <laughs> no disrespect to little baby. I know that was kind of that was a, that 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 was a little bit mean. What I just said. I'm not I'm not dissing that. But really, really, 
They, I, I, I want some big men and big women. I want some people that really want to lead. That's what I think that if you do that, I think you're going to win. And the reality is at the end of the day, right, while racism is very real, a white man will never be able to stop you from picking up a book. A white man will never stop you from starting a business. A white man will never stop you from taking care of your kids. A white man will never stop you from buying property. A white man will never stop you from getting what's yours if you're prepared and if you do the right thing and if you move forward with intention. So let's just be intentional in everything that we do. Do we get it? Give me a yes in the chat to let me know I didn't waste my time. My wife's been waiting on me, so I'm about to get on out of here. I'm about to go be intentional about spending some time with my beautiful wife. And I just want to say hello, everybody. I love you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And again, anybody in Atlanta that hears this, a little baby's team, or because you know I know people that know him and all that, just know this is not a diss. This is just a point of clarity. This is just me doing for, for, for the world what my father did for me. Sometimes my father would give me good information, good advice, and it didn't always come out the right way, but I know that his heart was in the right place, and I want you to know that that's what I'm trying to do, okay? So thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe if you have not done that yet. Um, just a reminder, uh, don't forget that tomorrow, Dr. Alicia is doing her financial rehab in the Black Business School. If you'd like to join, uh, that session is free. So uh, just go to boycewalkins.com if you'd like to just take a look. Or if you're on Instagram, hit the link in the bio. Also, if you go to boycewalkins.com, you can learn about the convention or our financial flashcards for kids and all these other things. So take care, everybody. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I love you. I'll see you soon. Take care now. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three, what did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.